Hey, welcome to A Conversation With. My name is Philip DeFranco, and today we're having a conversation, I can speak words, with Michelle Carre. Hello. Hello. Um, I, I had to double check on uh, to, to, that I was pronouncing your name right, because I've learned in life that I mispronounce about half of everyone's names wrong. That was correct. No, that I know. was amazing. No, I double checked. Thank you. I was like, <laughs> I was like there's... There's like a 10% chance it's care, <laughs> but I've never heard anyone fucking say that. Never, ever. A lot of people do. Really? That's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, uh, what's you funny is like everyone in my family pronounces it differently. Like, like I'll ask my okay. Indian so grandma, like, room. Yeah. Dadima. In India, like how have people pronounced this name? And she, every time she says it differently. Sometimes it's like kare. Sometimes it's like kare. Kare. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I respond. <laughs> Depending on how she's feeling about the family in general. Yes. Wait, but do you correct? Do you correct people? You just like, yeah, right. I don't care. I mean, I'm at the point like at one point. So I didn't know that stage names were a thing that people did. Sure. I thought it was just like in black and white films like Marilyn Monroe has a stage name. I didn't know that you could choose your own name. And I wish I wish I had used my middle name, which is Asha, because like Michelle Asha, I think sounds oh. a lot better. But I think we're in too far deep for me to change my name. <laughs> I, yeah. Like I just remember realizing one day, like, wait, literally everyone has a stage name, you know? Like Shane Dawson isn't Shane Dawson. Sure. I wish I had Shane Dawson's name, you know, yeah. just like that, like a nice. Anyways, I love my name. <laughs> <laughs> but is it really? It wouldn't be a stage name if you just swapped your middle name as your last name, but right? It, but it would sound cooler, I think, and you people think so? would pronounce it more easily. I don't know. Okay. You know? And and for the <laughs> and for the idiots out there who maybe do not know who you are or what you do, uh, how would how would you describe that? How would I describe myself? So hi, my name is Michelle Carre. I am a content creator, host, and actress, and on my channel I do a series called Challenge Accepted. And in each episode, I every single month transform my entire life to enter a new community, profession, or lifestyle. So I've done everything from training with Marines at Marine Boot Camp to joining a professional clowning troop to going to NASA headquarters in Houston to train with astronauts. So just live in many lives. Yes. And aside from that, I'm a former national champion in cycling and <laughs> the host of HBO's Karma, which is their new kids adventure show coming out in May to HBO Max. So Subscribe. How many more jobs do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's the rate? <laughs> <laughs> this is we're shooting this at the the end. So here's here's the rest of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> this was me trying to salvage. Thank you for helping me salvage. Okay, cool. Here we go. I've slowly realized over the past month I am slightly neurotic. And it, it took me actually it's trying to take care of myself like i recently got lasik recently uh got my teeth done recently finally after 34 years have a uh, a general doctor like oh. all, of, all of a sudden now i'm stressing about everything there is some, <laughs> there's it wasn't when i had my first son wasn't when i had my second one but then just something all of a sudden i was like oh man i'm going to die might as well make this oh this gosh. shit work <laughs> anyway so you don't like apple watches that's the main point that i was trying to make okay. was that i hate <laughs> apple watches no well cuz then it's just this other extra <clears throat> buzz and then when it does, and then it's like the, it's like your phone on crack where sometimes yeah. you feel it, but nothing happened. I have pretty much all the notifications off except texts. And okay. I actually found myself looking at my phone less because I would just like check my phone incessantly. Mm. And now I only check it when something's happening 
but I guess I'll, I'll die of technology overdose as well. Too. well what, what qualifies as something happening for you? Like, is it personal? Is it a big social event like the Kobe stuff or what? Something happening. Um, I, I guess like our editors texting me. Okay. So work. <laughs> yeah, work, pretty much work. You're like, you're like yeah. my editor, my parents, that's it. That's yeah, all. Yeah. Like I don't have Twitter notifications on or anything well, like yeah, that. That'd be, that'd be crazy. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Twitter notifications, okay. I, I was like, I, I wanted to go through, I was like, what, what has she said on Twitter recently? Oh my God. And it was only six days ago because you're not hyperactive. It seems like that, really. that means that you're healthy. You have a healthy relationship, at least with Twitter. You might have a horrible relationship with Instagram or something else. Uh, why is the, why is the phrase... I brush with a sonic, oh, what is it, a diamond sonic hair? What is this? All right, uh, so we're going up. in deep real fast. Yeah, well, because. I have a few, like, very strange obsessions. Okay. The first is sumo tangerines. This is not sponsored. <laughs> have you ever had a sumo tangerine? I don't believe so. Oh, my I've God. Never, okay. I've never gone like, what you brand gotta, is this tangerine? You, I'm going to bring you some. Okay. So sumo tangerines are this special breed of tangerine. They're only available six weeks out of the year and sold at Whole Foods. I sound psychotic, but they're in season right now. And I would love for them to sponsor me. Please do. The second thing I'm obsessed I with. I just want you to be sponsored by a tangerine that is only available six days or six weeks? Weeks. Okay. Six weeks. That's less insane. Okay. Yes. And then the second thing I'm obsessed with is dental hygiene. I should have been. I should have been. I had to I had to go in and get like everything hyperfixed. It's weird. Like my gums are still healing. I'm still in that process. Your teeth look great. Well, thank you. They're the third most expensive thing I've ever purchased. Oh <laughs> but that's it's the weirdest thing to me is. So I saw that and I was like, OK, she must care about teeth. Like, yes. yeah, I want to talk about that. But like I have my dentist's personal phone number and we text. Oh, wow. Is that weird? Probably. Is that a violation of HIPAA? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's losing his, his license. No, but I was like, it's one of those weird things. I was like, OK, it's I, it's something that I should have cared about always. Didn't really did okay enough right i was maybe I, I was skating around with the formation was horrible but c's as far as teeth are concerned and then it took me actually investing money to fix it to go like oh i should probably care about these things but really? it, but it's not i had to like throw money at my mouth for me to care about it which is very strange it's literally like Put your money where your yeah. mouth is. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't yeah. Yeah, don't feel, don't feel bad about that. There are very few opportunities you get to say okay. that. Very few. But what do you think it is about oral hygiene that, is it something that just instilled in you as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I was one of those kids who had a lot of pride going to the dentist. Mm. Like, I enjoyed when the dentist was like, your teeth are great, you know? And I, I look forward to that every six months. I love getting the, the pack where they give you like a toothbrush and stuff. <laughs> I love that. I love the feeling of leaving the dentist and it feels like a car wash occurred in your mouth and it's like you can hear the glisten off your teeth. I'm I'm obsessed with that. It, it's maybe I'm a little bit neurotic, too. But yeah. What uh, is, did you care about anything else as much? Were you I'm trying to I'm trying to under understand all the things I care about. Well, no, just so if you if you're that crazy or not crazy passionate Crazy's fine. <laughs> Crazy's fine. <laughs> about teeth were you like that with with other stuff because when we were when we were looking into your background it oh seems like it seems like uh and then hearing you talk about teeth were you always kind of like striving to be perfect as a kid because you well, had really so good grades you're you how do you know about my grades because <laughs> i try to learn about people before they come on especially like because I've, I've really only seen your content i and it's like you get to put little pieces of yourself in it but a lot of 
who I've seen you uh, as online, I can say words, uh, is you kind of including new things in your life. Yes. Right. right? And it's like uh, adding on top of. But I, I found myself going like, well, I don't really know a lot of the core that's being added on t- uh, added to. Interesting. Right, if I can think about it. Okay. So I'm trying to get a, a feel for that. Yeah. Like, well, I, I guess I am from a mixed race family. Mm-hmm. So my dad is Indian. Okay. And I was an accident. So my mom was very young when she had me and it was kind of instilled in me, uh, obviously a little bit of that stereotypical immigrant stuff of like, it's important to do well in school. It's important to go when you commit to something, commit a hundred and four percent. And I feel that with my content as well. And then on my mom's side, my mom had to, in, in a way, put her career on hold when she had me because she was so young. And so she was always telling me careers first. Like your, your success and your passions are always first. So did that, did that kind of always turn into them supporting things that you did? Or did you feel like you were kind of pushed towards certain things? Like, did you have that kind of story of like people pushing you towards being a doctor, a lawyer, uh, something kind of in the, I feel like there's always three that are mentioned, but that sort of engineer. thing. Okay. Engineer. <laughs> the trifecta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cause for me, my dad, my dad was always doctor, which I was not smart enough. Right. I think for a period of time, I did want to be a doctor because Mm. I looked up to my dad a lot. Um, I did competitive science fair in high school. Yeah. I went to international science fair. Like oh, wow. the level so, like, where it's legit. countries yeah. competing against I was each like, other. Uh, you you sound you seem embarrassed by it, but I was like, I watch. What's more embarrassing, you doing that or me watching two documentaries specifically about that? There are documentaries about oh, yeah. international science fair. Oh yeah, like the spelling bee kid documentary. Kind yeah, of so kind of like that, but yeah, specifically around and and like. The, the crazy ways that you can get, like, you can qualify to get into the international competition. Like some kids, they, they fail uh, in certain locals. So they'll, they'll actually go to like different counties and different states to okay, qualify to go. Okay, I did not do that. So but I that. was in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana. So maybe it was less competitive there. <laughs> you were like, I got I this I remember down. like when they announced like, you're going to international science fair. I was like, this is a joke. Like I'm going. Yeah. I have a severe like imposter syndrome for sure. All the time. Sure. Um, but I guess to answer your question, my parents are, are definitely supportive, but it's like the thing of like, if you're going to do it, you better fucking do it. Mm -hmm. And like, no chickening, chickening out, (laughs) no losing, you know? Um, and obviously they were nervous when I was like, I'm quitting my job to become a YouTuber. Like everybody does, I guess. Um, is that the point where you were said, you said that you were going to leave Buzzfeed? Yeah. And that's where they got nervous. I didn't tell them I quit my job until <laughs> they didn't after. find out. Did they did they find out via the video? No, or? no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, is that I remember I I, you know, obviously had a very long decision to leave my job at BuzzFeed. I did it. And then a week after putting in my two weeks, I was like, I need to like let this be real for a little bit. I call my friends. It was a very fast phone call. I was like, Hi, dad, mom, I quit my job. It's going to be fine. Bye. <laughs> it's pretty much that. Don't even give any room yeah, for a response. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much that. Um, not because I was scared of mm. like, oh, my parents will be disappointed in me because I'm sure they've been very disappointed in me many times. Um, it was more like it was the first time I wanted to to make a decision on my own mm. without like, what will my parents think? Or like, do they agree? Because, you know. I, I really look up to my parents a lot. 
Um, but I was like, I need to just do this on my own so that if I fail, it's, it's wholly mine. But if I succeed, it's also wholly mine. Um, but now that my parents are getting recognized in my hometown, their egos are a little, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. when they jump onto the train. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Now, like once I started, well, I'm sure you experienced the same thing. Like once your parents see the success in their realm of success sure. by their definition, mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, okay. You know, what was, what do you, what do you think their realm of success is? Oh my goodness. I mean, I think like many parents, it's seeing it's financially sustainable. Yeah. Money. Um, maybe happiness. I don't know. Probably happiness. <laughs> <laughs> to a yeah. certain degree. Yeah. But I do feel like with parents, it's definitely money. Cause they're just like, I just don't want you starving in the street. Yes. And just, you know, don't kill anybody or yeah. if you do, don't get caught. Yeah. It'd be fine. And I had also done some questionable content at Buzzfeed. So I think they were like, just don't just like, just don't ruin yourself. I don't know. Questionable. Um, so one of the, the first big videos I did there was I trained with a UFC fighter for 60 days. Wow. And at the end did a real fight. So Logan and Jake are, they're cute, I guess, but (laughs) (laughs) me and Jordan did it first. And it was a, it was a, like the video was about myself and my coworker Mm -hmm. training with this UFC fighter. And at the end we held a sanctioned fight in the BuzzFeed office. That's actually, that sounds amazing. Wait, so who won? crazy. Well, you gotta watch the video. But but like stuff like that, when I call my parents and, or they call me that afternoon, they're like, hey, what happened at work today? I'm like, oh, like I did a sanctioned fight. I left work early because I'm getting checked for a concussion at quick care. Everything's fine, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) That was also the kind of the point where I was like, I think I could do this on my own. Sure, was that? Was that, would you say, the, the biggest jump out of your comfort zone that you've done for a video or no? Like the most I mean, uncomfortable. You've done, you've done so much so far. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. That's That would stress me out. I'm trying to think. Mm. Is that like the craziest you think? No. What's the craziest? I think each, well, th- each of the videos are incredibly difficult, incredibly stressful, and physically and mentally taxing in their own way. But... If I had to choose which one is the hardest, which is a really hard yeah. thing to answer. Um, Especially right on the spot. <laughs> yeah, hello. Um, <laughs> rate your children. <laughs> yeah, rate my children. Uh, I think that, you know, one that comes up to, to mind for me is actually the most recent video I did, which is coming out next week. Okay. Um, I haven't like announced it, but it will be, I guess, live the same day this goes this live. This will be up, up Wednesday. Yes, it's going up oh, Wednesday. Perfect. So I did a video where I went to Firefighter Academy. And that was crazy because at the end of the video, I go in a burning building. That's, (laughs) see, but that's what's so awesome about your stuff. You dedicate so much time to it. And also, I imagine there has to be some feeling of responsibility too, to to represent these people that you're dabbling in their their life. But that's, especially for something, one, important in general, and then two, so it's constantly in the news, constantly a focal point in California. Yeah, and uh, the day we left was actually the day everyone started evacuating for the Getty fire. And I live very close to where the fire was. So we're like, what are the chances? Yeah. You know, we're like flying away to, we filmed in Colorado um, because obviously the firefighters here were very busy. Thank you to all the firefighters in LA for fighting all the fires here. Um, 
Yeah, but just like, oh my God, I can't even explain the, the little things I learned. For example, um, I didn't realize that firefighters are the ones who go in after school shootings or active shooter scenarios, and they're the ones rescuing the kids. I always thought it was like a separate paramedic team, but it's the firefighters. Um, the fact that their gear is 60 pounds. And before I went in the burning building, they gave me like an hour long speech about if you pull your mask, you're going to die. Right. So there's no take backs, like pretty much like don't fuck this up or yeah. you'll fuck yourself up. <laughs> situation. <laughs> um, and that was really, really hard for me because you're in a room, it's, it's 1700 degrees in there and the suit, which I assumed was fully heat proof. Sure. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> And then you're you're carrying, um, in my scenario, I had to rescue a dummy and the dummy weighed 175 pounds. So I'm dragging this thing through a room full of smoke. It's it's hot, it's uncomfortable, and you're worried about tripping over things. You're worried about if you hit your face the wrong way, the mask will come off, you know, like, oh my God. So, I mean, I think a lot of people look at my videos and think like, wow, it's like so cool that you do that. But like, for me, I think everyone, the communities I'm representing are the ones that I see as the heroes. Like sure. I will look at a, every firefighter, every policeman or policewoman completely differently and with so much more respect now. So for this last project, and maybe it, it's the same case for your other videos, what drew you to that specific topic? Is it something that was always in your head? You kind of just see something and you go, huh? There's like that aha moment. Like how do we choose the videos? Yeah, yeah well to go like I'm going to, cause it's not, it's not like I can choose something it's a day <laughs> yeah, right. or like some of our bigger projects, one to two weeks, but you're putting in out like weeks, months into, into these projects. Yeah. So how, so for the fire, fire, the firefighter one, how did you choose that? So, yeah, like you said, each of our challenge accepted episodes take anywhere from three to 12 months to produce. Oh, wow. That's even more than I thought. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow. Wow. So, I mean, I'm counting, I'm thinking of like, the day we come up with the idea yeah. to upload, mm -hmm. um, because there's so much outreach, um, you know, convincing the FBI to let me come and train with them at Quantico isn't yeah. it's a video that's coming out later this spring. But like all those things take so much time start to a sentence. <laughs> right. Convincing the FBI. That's the only good way to end it. Right. In a way that doesn't seem sketchy. But to answer your question about choosing firefighting. So last summer I did a video with San Diego Police Department where I experienced police academy. And it ended up being one of our best performing videos on the channel of all time. We got like 3 million views in a week, which mm -hmm. I know for some people is like not that much, but for me, it's very exciting. Well, you can't ever compare yourself to right. other people because that's just, that's just a hundred percent guaranteed way to just feel shitty about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So it did very well. And of course, a lot of people who, you know, are interested in the police department are tangentially interested in firefighting. And it happened to be obviously very relevant mm -hmm. to where we live um, with all the wildfires. And so we were like, you know what, let's, let's try it, whatever. So we started researching what fire departments to work with. An LA fire department, which is, you know, consistently busy with the wildfires here was immediately, they immediately said no. They're like, absolutely <laughs> not. We're busy. <laughs> and we actually found a YouTube channel fire department. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, this sounds so crazy. Yeah. So it's this fire department in Denver or outside of Denver. And they're one of the number one rated fire departments in America. They have a YouTube channel with 50,000 subscribers okay. and they're the cutest. They're like, 
we're going to film ourselves like week one of Fire Academy. It's so adorable and I love it. And like the videos are actually very educational. So as we were researching what does Fire Academy even entail, we, we watched a lot of their videos. I'm like, sure. wait a second. Why don't we just yeah. do it with these YouTubers, I guess, which is rare. Like I don't often get opportunities to collaborate with other YouTubers mm -hmm. in that sense. Right. But we did this time. And we emailed them and they were like, hell yeah. So <laughs> Just on board. Yeah. Like, we're already kind of doing it, but yes. Yeah. And so that. we we've shot in October. Okay. And then the video takes four to six weeks to edit. Just, I just feel anxiety <laughs> building up thinking, because if I, once again, yeah, if I have a video that bombs, I'm like, okay, tomorrow. But that's... Do you stress when you upload or you're just like, no, it's out there. Hardcore. It's do oh, okay, so you Hardcore. Do because financially, we invest a ton into the videos. They're very, very expensive to make. Um, and Challenge Accepted is sort of like our centerpiece for gaining new subscribers. So we have to, you know, hope that it does well so that the channel grows. Was the was the series ever a YouTube original or no? I wish. Hello. I'm available, be. but what are you not doing, desperate. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> to, to backtrack a little bit, because we talked about what your parents uh, see as success. What do you see as uh, success? Oh, my gosh. What do I see as, like in life or like with a video? You can give me both. OK, so in life, I think I measure success by how happy I am and how happy the people around me are, because I think it's, you know, one thing for it's obviously easy for me to be like, yeah, I love YouTube because my face is on it and, and whatever. <laughs> but I I'm super, super concerned constantly with are our editors happy. You know, are the producers working on the channel happy? How does everyone feel? Because if everyone's excited, then I feel successful. Even there are some videos that haven't done, you know, as well. Sure. That I look at with so much pride. For example, I think one of the worst performing challenge accepted episodes was a video where I trained with a professional clowning troupe for a month. And I love that video. I love it because everyone had such a fun time working on it. All the collaborators, all the clowns were really excited to be represented. And yeah. they're excited about, you know, like, oh, yay, 100,000 views. That's we only had 10 people seeing <laughs> our shit before. <laughs> so. That's how I feel. You know, mm -hmm. I, I feel I measure it by are people excited about what we're doing, what we're making? And then I, I think it's the same personally in that sense, too. Like, do I have a work life balance? Do I am I sleeping enough? Am I eating foods I love? You know, are you all, all three of those yes. things? You have a yes. good you actually you might be the first person on here that said they have a good work life balance. Well, I saw Gus's episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, Gus is uh, he'll say it. He's like a chaotic, funny, but chaotic mess. Yeah, that's a uh, chaotic good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I can't I can't live that. That's. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I just wanted to take a second to thank one of the sponsors of today's podcast conversation with keeps and with keeps it helps you stop your hair loss before it's too late with their scientific and affordable approach their treatments are up to 90 percent effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss and they say prevention is key and you also don't have to go broke to avoid going bald keeps offers generic versions of the only two fda approved hair loss products out there so in fact some of you may have actually tried them before but probably never at this price and so if you're noticing you're losing hair do something about it for a limited time you can go to keeps.com acw or click the link in the description to get your first month of treatment for free so check it out enjoy but with that said back to your podcast and we're back from that fantastic sponsor and you clicked all the links um so one of the things i want to talk about and because 
I, I oftentimes talk about the past a lot, but I think kind of one of the things that's exciting with you is that you're kind of this this next batch that you're doing stuff on YouTube, right? You're, you're definitely embracing and thriving uh, on, on social platforms, but you're also now... Have you have a show on HBO Max? Are you yeah. are you producing it? Are you hosting it? What what what, what all is so that? for season one? I'm just the host. Sure. Like I I went to a casting call and oh, wow. they hired me. <laughs> so I know uh, Laura DIY. She like executive produced and pitched her own show, which is so cool. Um, I was just lucky enough to, I don't know, I I guess get offered the job after an sure. audition. Um, basically I, yeah. So for me, YouTube, I see is just one avenue of business revenue as you do mm -hmm. as well. Um, and I think some people are like, I want a YouTube fame thing so that I can jump off and be on a TV show and whatever. Um, for me, I want to do everything. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I audition regularly for hosting and acting jobs and this is one that came through and I, I went and I did the audition. I loved it and I got the job. Karma is going to be the new kids adventure show on HBO Max and it's a survival show. Interesting. So yes, imagine 18 teenagers in the wilderness doing physical and mental games and challenges competing for $50,000 which is a lot of money when you're 13. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it follows a lot of the structure of a lot of the, you know, big, those kind of like experimental reality shows. Mm -hmm. But um, I basically commentate on all the challenges. I'm there guiding and counseling them when they fight with each other and stuff. Um, but it was an amazing experience. I mean, the things these kids did were insane. What's like, the age range? The age range, I think the youngest was 12 and the oldest was 15. So they're very young. Okay. And so when you say survival. Yeah. Or did you, I don't, maybe I'm saying survival. It's survival. <laughs> so they have to like stay at a place for a yeah. certain, for how long? Uh, well, if they last the whole time, it ends up being a month about. And for many wow. of these kids, it's the first time they're away from their family for an extended period yeah. of time. They, so we shot in kind of near Yosemite for season one. Um, and they live in these tents in the wilderness. So wait, like are there parents there? No or? parents. That, so the this parents, sounds like amazing. I didn't even know you could, you would be able to legally do something like that with like child yeah. labor laws. That's awesome. So there was another show in like the early 2000s called Endurance, which was on mm. Discovery Kids. And I grew up watching that show, loved it. The host and producer of that show EP'd this. So getting to meet him and work with him as like one of my hosting idols was like, oh, I was like, my hands were sweating a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, I love the experience because I don't really interface with kids a lot mm -hmm. in general. Um, and that was really educational. I also just love and appreciate the hosting art form to a way bigger level as well as guidance counseling um, because <laughs> I'm not a counselor, but a lot of times like, you know, with these like campfire sessions, they're dealing with a lot. They're under a lot of pressure. A lot of them, they had never been away from a phone. Oh, wow. For an extended I, yeah, I've never time. even thought. Yeah. That yeah has to be they've so never been away from the internet. They've never been away from their families. And the parents are actually like staying in a hotel an hour away. So they know like mom and dad are nearby. There's an emergency lover. Yeah. Yeah. But um, if you, if they use the emergency lever, they can't come back. Sure. Yeah. 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 God, that sounds awesome. 
It was, I would have loved to do something like that as a kid. It was amazing because like I grew up, like I love reality stuff. I love Survivor, Endurance, Mm -hmm. Amazing Race, all those things. And then to get to host that, Mm -hmm. oh my God. If there was a reality, if you could be a contestant on a reality show, what do you think it would be? Would it be Survivor? I actually don't know about Survivor because I feel like I would do well in the physical part, but the social game stuff, now that we're like 40 seasons in, Side note, I'm really excited about season 40, the all winter <laughs> season. It's going to be great. Um, you know, after seeing Sandra win twice, come on, y'all. If Sandra won twice, how am I supposed to win? So that's how, that's my niche answer to that. But okay. I would love to do Amazing Race, but I'm kind of in this spot where like, I don't know if I'm allowed to be a participant now that I've like, because I know how everything works behind the scenes. I don't oh, know. You know okay. what I mean? Wait, how do you know? Oh, oh, oh. You mean just because you've done this? Yes. Maybe. I don't think it should disqualify you. I mean, one of my, I mean, well, really, thank you. The, the only, <laughs> I'm just backing you I'll up for everything that you want to do. No, that's, uh, so one, that would be one that I would do. I also want, would want to do the challenge that I, on that's, MTV? that's my favorite yeah. garbage television show. They have, uh, we, I've talked to them about it before. Well, cause they're like casting new people now. Yeah. For the, like the, I think one of the first times that, yeah. that, they, that they opened it up. Right. Amazing. It'd be so amazing. Should I, I do it? You should do it. Yes. I had a meeting with them. A thousand. Well, depending <laughs> on the contract, a thousand percent. Are okay. you kidding me? Okay. Yes. Go in there. <laughs> just team up with CT. Okay. You, got, you just fucking marathon through. Oh my God. All right. All right. Got it. I yeah. I would love to do one of those, but also I think logistically about being away from the channel and stuff for like, That's you know, a month. Hurdle. Like I, I think I heard on another podcast you were on, you said you had like another hotel room set up for when oh, you were going to be that on was, Amazing Yeah, Race. that one was crazy. Yeah, that was, I would shoot the show in the morning uh, and then, yeah, we'd have to go through a number of interviews. That's, I'll always feel sad a little bit for, <laughs> I'm thankful that I didn't get through on that show because as I've said in past podcasts, I think my wife and I probably would not survive that experience <laughs> or it could bring us closer, but probably it would just bring out the, the worst versions of ourselves just because everyone that I've talked to that's done the show, they're like, oh no, you're like, you're always running on zero sleep. Uh, they're it's all, crazy. and you're being produced to a certain extent and, yeah, and with no sleep. Oh my God. Hungry. Uh-uh. Yeah. I'm the, uh, I need everything to be 90% for me <laughs> not to be the worst version of myself. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. And I, I felt so bad because like all the kids are sleeping in a tent. I worked like, you know, three <laughs> or four hours a day. You're in a, you're in a I'm suite. in full hair and makeup. Like, Living like I had a trailer on set in addition to like yeah. my own private cabin. They they were very kind to me. So um, aside from hosting shows uh, and and kind of the series that you're working on now, what do you want to do in the next few years? What I would be like the big thing I would love to do is be on an action show. So the reason I do all of these challenges is because originally I had some opportunities to do stunt work, and I just wanted to expand my resume. Um, so then I started just learning everything and hoping that, you know, if there's ever an ice skating TV show, I have a leg up because I've trained with an Olympic figure skater for two months. Sure. Um, there is one on Netflix. I'm available. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's because I, I grew up primarily doing theater and acting in addition to science fair, I guess. Um, and I, I love training for something. I love like just immersing my whole body, mind and spirit into something. And I, I, I like doing that with acting a lot too. Like a lot of 
some people for them like discovering the characters like writing their backstory for me I'm like how is this character physically set where where do they breathe from where do they live like being in a Marvel show and getting to train for a scene like a fight scene would be (sighs) (laughs) so that's the next one like uh, if there was another like rung on the ladder, that would be like, yeah. I would, I would grasp I mean, that lung and promptly retire. I mean, the MCU is going to exist for the, it's going to keep going on for what? 40 more years. Yes. I so would love that. Plenty of opportunities. I would love that. Or, you know, I'm fine with DC too. That's fine. Marvel's cool. <laughs> DC's fine. <laughs> I'm not picky. Um, yeah, that's a big one for me, like non YouTube. Um, another one for me is I would love to have an athletic wear fitness line. Mm-hmm. Um, like more specialized merchandise would be a really big one for me. Yeah, I feel like those are the main ones. And then just like hosting a ton um, and expanding my business as much as possible and being happy and buying a house and, you know, <laughs> all those things. Kids, you know? and I'd love to do a podcast as well. I, I feel like I, I just haven't yet, but. I think I want to do one. You might have been doing one you didn't realize. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, what what is it about podcasting that stands out to you? Because like some of the things that you talked about, is it is it kind of like business moves? You're like, that makes sense. Like athletic wear, is yes. there something missing uh, from it that you think is like you can pro- provide like a, this is a differentiator or it it's a, it's an economic way that your fans can support you? Right, I honestly way. just want to be able to just like hang out and chat for an hour and upload it, you know, because, yeah, yeah, because I feel that on my channel, what's a blessing and a curse is that I found this niche of the genre is videos. No one else is crazy enough to do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's amazing that Mm -hmm. it works and has been successful and financially sustainable, but also it means they take a long time to do And I feel like we were talking earlier about seeking perfection. I definitely feel that with Challenge Accepted. I'm very involved and surgical on every bite, every scene that's encaptured in this, these 30 minute episodes. And I'd love to have a podcast where we can just like, you know, be, be, be a bit more of myself, I guess. Sure. And like have more long, longer conversations with the people we feature in the episodes, like interviewing a firefighter who's fought the LA wildfires. I think it'd be really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, do you feel like there's a, there's a hard separation there for business and personal? Cause I, like I, whenever I used to do offshoots, it would be something like streaming, let's say streaming gameplay. And I was like, well, it's this thing that I already do, right? This thing that I think would be fun. But then once it becomes part of your job, it kind of like takes away some of the the joy of it. Has there been a moment like that for you where um, you're like, I need to keep doing this. It doesn't feel like an escape anymore. Like maybe for you, it might be fitness. Would that be accurate? Do you feel like fitness is still an escape for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was a professional athlete mm-hmm. before YouTube. I was a professional cyclist and I just, yeah, I mean, I, I love it so much And I think the part where it's like difficult to separate work and life is because all the things I'm interested in end up becoming a video. Um, I haven't really felt the, the frustration of like, oh, this is a business for me now. Now I can't have it to myself. Um, But I definitely know what you mean. And I think I felt a bit of that when I was at my job working on, yeah, working on another YouTube channel, basically. Um, 
because there was so much other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. I felt like it wasn't fully what I wanted my content to be. Um, and I, I guess I feel that like, for example, other people have said to me, you know, you can do like shorter videos, easier videos, like just low hanging fruit and it'll probably perform well or whatever. But like, because I want to do these non YouTube things, like hosting a show and, and being an actress, I don't want anyone to come to my channel and just see like random shit I did. And for a while, like when I was making videos just to make videos, when I first started my channel, like some of the top viewed videos, I was like, Oh my God, that's the top viewed video. Are you kidding me? Like with that thumbnail? Oh my mm -hmm. God. Like I see why it did well, but also like, is that, is that really who I want to be or be known for? Or sure. like, that's the top viewed video kind of thing. Is there something that, is there anything that you miss from being at BuzzFeed? I feel like a lot of people when they have former BuzzFeed staff on, they're like, hey, will you shit on the company? Um, but <laughs> uh, is there anything that you miss now? Because obviously there's a lot of freedom being solo, yes. especially, and it's always great when the success is there as well. Is there anything that you do miss from that time? I do. Um, I, I think that if I had had to start a channel from like ground zero, like sure. you and many other incredible creators have, I would have not been successful because, you know, like I need, I need a coach in all mm. aspects of my life. I respond really well to having a coach, a plan, like even with my therapist, I'm like, let's make an action item list <laughs> and I'll do it in the next week and I'll improve my happiness. You know, <laughs> I'm very like, I respond well to a, a plan and a regimen and especially being on an, a professional athletics team. A lot of it was like, every day of my life was so structured. And I was so thankful to work at BuzzFeed because it gave me like a grad school situation for learning how to do YouTube, but I was paid to do it. Um, I mean, they had classes on, this is how you make a thumbnail. This is mm -hmm. how you like mask things in Photoshop. And I didn't go to film school, mm -hmm. so I didn't know how to do any of that. And getting to learn and fail without the traditional repercussions. Um, I mean, obviously if I failed too hard, they probably would have fired me. <laughs> um, so that was really wonderful. And I, I miss like the, Oh my God, this sounds so old school. Like the, the 2014 YouTube days, at least at Buzzfeed. Cause that was like right when it was like growing and really like the energy at work was was amazing because you just felt like you were a part of a team where anything was possible. Like every week new people were being hired and we would have mm -hmm. these like, like Zay Frank would get to speak to us every Friday. It was, it was like coming to see that, like, that like amazing. a prophet speak. Yeah. We'd be like, Oh, what does Zay have to say to us this week? And Andrew Gautier, who was like the <clears> head of video at one point. Mm -hmm. And they would just say the most like inspiring shit. Like guys, we're doing what no other company has done. And like, we're going to do it. You guys, this is going to be awesome. And I would, and that shit works. Like I was, I would work insane hours. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in a way I miss that sense of like early camaraderie, but I don't like, like I wouldn't go back because I don't think it is like that anymore. I mean, that's why I left. Mm -hmm. um, or one of the reasons why. And, but I do miss those early days of like anything was possible kind of thing. <laughs> You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely. Which I still think it is. I feel that way on my channel for sure. You feel like everything, anything is possible. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, why am, why, why did it succeed for me? Okay. I guess anything's <laughs> possible. But you don't have, you don't feel like there's now that you've hit a certain point, right? Uh, obviously 
in no way is it your your peak or anything like that. But I hope are, not. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we never know. What scandal will I be in? Oh my god. No, don't give me a reason <laughs> ever. My nightmare is to be a part of your show as like a, and now we have this weird news to talk about. Oh no, <laughs> it's gonna be a bad day, a bad day. I don't, yeah, I don't. Uh, I hate. I mean, it it helps the show, but I hate having to talk about it because it's a little bit like shitting where you eat. It's yeah, with, with covering yeah news in our space. But I it, think you do it in a way that's very. Mm. Here are the facts. In, oh, in yeah, my yeah. opinion, oh, I yeah, mean, it's now. not like no, yeah, no. I, when when you're talking about older days, I was like, oh yeah, I remember like moments of of camaraderie, and then I also remember who I was eight years ago, and I was definitely more like go for your throat sort of person in that way. Uh, when we were, we were talking before about, or when I was just kind of like randomly blurting, like I feel like my my children have kind of like softened me. Yeah. I feel like that's part of it, but it's also kind of connected to another thing you said of. Now there's people looking at me and going like, wait, who's Trey DeFranco's dad? And then this is, and all of a sudden my videos will pop up and it's like, this is a representation. So it's this weird thing. I just did. A responsibility. Yeah. I just did this weird thing. So we're touring schools, which is, it's such a weird LA thing. No, it's not fun. (laughs) It's really weird. I thought I was done. With kids? Yeah. So with like my son. So, cause he's, uh, he's now like trying to, or we're gonna, he's going to go to a kindergarten and we're trying to figure out which school makes sense or a bunch of different Oh my God. I thought area. you meant like the PDS is touring school. No, 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 no. <laughs> like you're speaking to kids. Sorry. No. Okay. I get what's going on now. Yeah. No. And it's so weird. Cause I thought like I was done 15 years ago trying to get people to accept me. And now I'm in there trying to be the best version of myself. Some often genuinely excited, but yeah, we want, we went in yesterday to an interview um and they had a three-page packet and photos of me that we definitely did not send them in their their file and i was just kind of horrified i was like what is in there which which (laughs) which specific google search did they put in to find my name but yeah so that's like kind of that weird thing of i never really cared what people thought about me but all of a sudden now it has this impact on my kids it's weird yeah i don't know it's this is like my I'm giving it three more years and then I'm back to not caring whatsoever. Okay, great. Being the worst I version of myself. Oh. And the LA schools are like competitive. Yes. That's what I've learned. There's, and it's also, there's like some weirdness, like every now and then you'll talk to other parents and they like brag based off of where their kid is. And then you, they like put their kids in certain schools so that it can be kind of like a, an accolade. It's so odd. Not all parents, not all parents like that. I've met so many new people that are fantastic and maybe they're watching right now. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's definitely, it's the, sh- I used to think that the online creator community was kind of like the weirdest place. This, this takes it hands School down. School admissions. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I can talk to a, another, it's also cause I can talk to a YouTuber for hours, especially if like we start getting into the nitty gritty, like algorithm stuff, like, uh, the way things are trending this way, like what, what's going to happen regarding like other platforms. But the moment someone's like, oh yeah, I am a producer or oh, I work in accounting. I blank. I have zero idea what to talk about with that person. It kills me. And so I, what I find myself doing is just go and mirroring and just being like, Ugh, just repeating the last thing they but said. But you're a producer too. And you deal with accounting. Like but that's the thing is I still, I still, I still have a, when someone asks me what I do, I still have to take like 10 seconds to go, what am I going to say? And I go, oh, I host a news show. And then that always kind of goes and like spirals into, oh yeah, it's the internet. 
it's this thing. I, <laughs> I was talking about getting my teeth done. <laughs> the, the, like going into these doctor's offices, I try to not tell, I'm like in my head nervous that they're going to search and then treat me differently because maybe they didn't like something that I said. Oh my and that's, God. But that's also where I'm talking about. I feel like I'm realizing I'm a little bit neurotic and it all it took was me actually being around people again to go, <laughs> oh, I'm crazy, crazy. Wow. That's a lot of pressure. I think I, that, that's the, it's, it's part of the issue uh, is that I think I just add pressure to situations for no reason. Like that's, it's just part of my, my lovely self-sabotage. I think you have a reason though. I mean you like, so? yeah, I think everyone has a reason why mm. they put pressure. I mean like the deep seated childhood trauma reason, you know, like <laughs> I think for me, like it, like that striving for perfection thing, maybe accidentally on set by my parents and like, I've heard this saying that like boys are taught to play and girls are taught to be perfect, mm. which I was like, whoa, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> very heavy. that made me start sweating. Um, yeah. You don't think you have a reason? For stressing for out that it, way? Yeah. I think I just like to think that there are extra hurdles and I like, it's me assuming because it's, it's like that thing where you're walking down a hall and you think people are staring at you. But it's just in but your like fucking no one cares, head. Yeah. No one fucking cares. Like, but that's also one of my reasons where I, I love New York so much. There's such a frantic pace to everything that I'm like zero. Like I, I'm most free in New York City because I know there's zero fucking chance anyone cares about me. I am the <laughs> least interesting thing in New York City. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I like that. I, it's, it's, I, even though this is like my whole life, I, I think I crave just like not being a focal point, a focal point in any way. That would be my dream. When I was on my break for a month, no one knowing who I was or like, or like nothing I did had weight, if that makes any sense. That was so freeing. It was so great. But I think that's where I realize I'm a little, a little over everything. I don't know. You think you're like, like a little sardonic? No. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. This has been like a really, like me kind of like being a little scattered right now. This is like where I've been the last two weeks in my head of just trying to figure out what, what I'm doing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know. Maybe I'm opening up too much because I feel like a lot of people look at, you look at most anyone, right? Online and you're like, oh yeah, they probably got this shit together. And it's like, no, 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 I'm spiraling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm spiraling. Yeah. Do you ever... I do, you have, Do I spiral? Yeah. Yeah, frequently. <laughs> is there is there any specific thing that kind of kicks it or starts it? Blech. Um, I get very, so this is usually evident in videos, but I don't know if it is to the level that it is in real life. Sure. I get very stressed out before the final challenge of a challenge accepted episode. So like going in the burning building or... I got tased at police academy mm -hmm. before any of those. I'm a nightmare. I'm like, I, I, I started spiraling hardcore because I'm like, like people watch my videos and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And in those moments, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? <laughs> and I always freak out that like, it's going to fail. And actually in a really important lesson for me was I did a video where I trained with an Olympic figure skater for two months. And at the end I did a competition, which is like, I didn't know how to ice skate at all before. And this coach was amazing. They they brought me to being able to do jumps and like flip jumps and stuff like, wow. which is crazy. But before that final competition, I was so worried because we had invited 
fans to come to the competition. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to come all this way. And like, I'm going to be terrible. And the, my song starts playing. I'm like in the competition or whatever. And in the first 10 seconds, I fall flat on my ass. I have rehearsed this routine every single day, at least 10 times a day for probably an entire month. Mm -hmm. And this was during karma. During karma, I would drive an hour away to the figure skating rink every day at five in the morning and train with another coach I found in Fresno. Um, And I was like, how? And I invested so much money and time into this. I can't mess this up. And I fell on my ass in the first 10 seconds. But then I got up and just finished the whole thing. And the one, there's this one move called a flip jump. And I was so worried about not being able to do it. I did it. And I was like, you know what? I needed to fail publicly to see my own potential in that situation. Um, And I feel like that's really just like, you know, one of those applicable life lessons to everything for me. It's really like been helpful in shifting my perspective of um, everything and, and helpful in even the firefighting video. I usually somehow find a way to be successful at, at the end of these things, which I'm very thankful for. But at the end of this one, I guess without giving too much away, I I do this scenario in the burning building. And at the end, the firefighter tells me, you didn't do the scenario fast enough and this patient would have died. And like that, oh my God, like it hits you when you're like, other people depend on me and I question myself. And when I question myself, it's not me that gets hurt the most, you know? I love that. Yeah. Do you feel like, are there any other failures in your life that you're, you're thankful for? Oh my God. Um, yeah, (laughs) I don't think this is a failure, but I'm actually in the beginning of YouTube when I was like, I guess roughing it like, well, (laughs) so when I was at Buzzfeed, there was like an echelon of creators, like try guys, ladylike, et cetera, Mm -hmm. who were very supported. I'm I'm sure everyone has their own definition of how well they were supported at Buzzfeed, but you know, like they were designated shows and Mm -hmm. I was kind of like my own person existing in the world. So I wasn't a show but I was doing all this crazy shit, like, like the UFC video and whatnot. And all the time I was like, God, I wish that I could just be a part of that tier. Or I wish that I had just started my YouTube channel when I was like 10 and like got musically famous, TikTok, whatever. Um, and I'm really glad that I didn't because I think I would have done a lot of really dumb shit and said a lot of dumb shit. Like I'm thankful that the universe has forced me into this realm of the only way you'll be successful on YouTube is by by really pushing yourself to make the best content you can because I feel that people can get into this very comfortable zone of I just vlog my life or I do whatever and it's very easy and it's successful for me and that's amazing fuck I wish that I could just like daily vlog and like live my life and that's all I had to do but I've been pushed into like I have to make something that is as close to TV quality as I possibly can. And I think that that really helped me as a creator. Um, You know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. It sounds like you get like every drop, every ounce of worth out of, out of each project or experience. It's really, I love that. Yeah. I, you know, I really, I, I love Mark Rober 
And yes, in one of great. his Reddit AMAs, which I <laughs> ravenously read, <laughs> um, he was talking about how he uploads only once a month and how he probably won't increase his output. And he does that because he wants every video to be of a certain quality. And when I read that, I was like, because I'm always stressed out. I'm like, are we uploading enough? Like our videos take so long to make and are we getting enough views? But I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. We're not going to upload it all in January and we're going to have three baller videos come out in February. So I love, I love that idea of like everything I release. I'm like, that was my whole heart, mm -hmm. you know? I subscribe to, I would, I would call it like a toxic version of Zay Frank's old policy uh, regarding, uh, I mean, you talked about brain crack. Right. Are you familiar? Yeah. Where he talked about like ideas are essentially brain crack where, oh, yes. yeah, where he was like, just, just do it, just get it, get it out and do it. And then especially with what we do, it's like, we can try and do a better version of it, but <laughs> I take it to a bad place of just like, and I'm never going to return to that, that sort of uh video or topic. Like you let it go. Yeah. But that's also healthy too. Like at oh, BuzzFeed, yeah. it was great because we would have these days called banger days. That sounds really weird. Um, it was basically like the concept of the day was like drop everything and you have 12 hours to make a video from start to finish. And some of the most viral shit would come out of that day with people just like, what can we do? And I, I believe in that so hardcore. And, um, I see a lot of value in that. And some of the best performing videos on the channel were like things we shot in a day. But also I feel like, feel like after being at Buzzfeed for two and a half years and having that like constant thing kind of like wrenched out of wrung out of me <laughs> wrong yeah. word hey every 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 ounce <laughs> in a different way yeah yeah um i i'm happy now that i'm kind of in this place of like i can i can like birth each video in a way sure no i think uh, what i've talked to when i talk to a lot of creators it's extreme pendulum swings right so when you're talking about like yeah. the constant 12-hour <laughs> cycle or that's yeah, you can get really creative, weird ideas because the bra your brain's like, what? Why are these words together? Yes, we're going to do vegan dancing. Sure, that's a video <laughs> apparently now. Um, whereas all of a sudden now it gives you a, a greater appreciation for this just completely different skill set of like, well, what if I took that 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 several months? And But that seems like, would you say that you're way happier doing the, the longer form thing? Yes. Yeah. Then do you have, would you ever dabble with... Uh, if you called it a challenge of some sort to a like 12, a one, 24 hour challenge. Yeah. We've yeah. done a couple that were wonderful. I did one where I lived off one single bucket of water for 24 hours. And that was to simulate the amount of water one family in a sub-Saharan African village lives off of in a day. So I was responsible for carrying this bucket of water to all my meetings, to the gym without dropping it, contaminating it, like finding a way to transport it in the car, bathing in it, um, washing my dishes. Mm -hmm. And we used it as a, a really cool way to fundraise for a charity and we're building two wells in Africa now. Oh, wow. So I love that. Like, I love the shorter challenges. I think there's so much that can be done there for sure. But just for a quick change up, not that's like, that's not you moving forward. I mean, I will always go where a good idea is. Sure. Um, but my... My heart is in like really diving in. And and for me, the videos aren't just like, I'm going to change what I eat and drink and train like for a month. For me, it's like, I want to be a part of this community. I want to know everything about it. When we go train 
Hello. It's back. Hello. <laughs> it's a, is this the bug of I think this is. I think this is a smaller <laughs> one, but they're friends. Um, yeah. So like when we go to the police academy, I want to talk to police officers about how they feel about Black Lives Matter. And I'm not going to do this video with anyone until someone says yes. You know, I, I want to know all like the social issues. I'm so curious about the emotional heart of why things are the way they are, not just the, the process or the training. How do you... Because you seem like someone that like, once again, you, you talk about like fully throwing yourself into something. How do you deal with or do you deal with the daily news cycle? I watched the Philip DeFranco show. Oh. I'm not even kidding. Like, <laughs> no, but so, Garrett can back me up. I put it on in my car and I like have it play through it works my Bluetooth. It's a great podcast. Yes, yeah. I love no, it. But do you, do you <laughs> consume it in another way or is that, I think I've talked about this with like a, on our special phone number. Is it kind of like your shot of poison for the day or are you actively to some degree on like a, a Twitter or somewhere else where you're getting bombarded. I know you have notifications off, which is good. I have <laughs> notifications for the news apps and it's oh, a nightmare. No. You're like, ah, oh, this thing's on fire. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. How do, do I consume news? So when I worked at BuzzFeed, we were kind of sort of in the same vicinity as the like news trending sure. topics team. So we would just hear about it like on our group Slack's Slack? Do people use yeah, that? We use Slack, okay, yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of people probably don't, but yeah. So Slack is like a the work version of iMessage, I guess. Yeah. With nice. a great GIF keyboard. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I would find out just like being a part of that environment, which is something I do miss. Now I feel like I watch your show and I open Twitter. That's pretty much it. That's I mean, like, where else do I need to go? You know. I mean, there are other places, but that's <laughs> like I. That's where I get some of my. When I talk about like spiraling and stuff, that's where I end up getting reattached to everything is when getting messages of like, I'm, you're my main source of news. And I'm like, well, fuck, I can't do a bad job. Right. That it makes me, that makes me care. But you do a I great job every time. Oh no, no. Well, so when you're talking about like, I, I want it to be of a certain quality, there was a video. So this on Wednesday last week. I almost scrapped the entire video because I was like, this is not going to be good enough. But then. Why did you feel it wasn't good enough? Part of the part of the 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 research process that day on those stories, the why wasn't included. A big thing that I try and talk about with uh, my team is like, why are we talking about this? Is it just because other people are talking about it? What is the angle? Right, there has to be some reason other than like keeping people up to date. So what's the the impact of uh, of something? And that's that video at that point really didn't have it. It was kind of just like stuff happened and if you didn't look at Twitter, now you know. And I I, I kind of got frustrated with it. It was kind of like noon and I was thinking is it what's the bigger failure? Is it putting out a show that I would personally deem a C minus? Um, but people got it and they got to, to kind of feel like they were more connected to the world or had an understanding of several things that had happened, um, or just cutting it and going like, oh, it's not good enough. And I feel like I'm more on the side of let's just make sure let's post it. We'll try to do the best version, salvage it, but everything can't be an A. And yeah, and I mean, I that's think, also very true. Yeah. And a, and, and a great benefit of YouTube, like you just put it up and then. But I think that's why when we were talking earlier, like your your model stresses me. <laughs> it, it stresses me out, yeah. too. I mean, I, it ends up putting a ton of pressure on us. But then we've done things where it's like, let's just make a video to make a video. And then it ends up not doing well. We still spent the money. 
having our editor work on mm-hmm. it, still spend the time and resources of our own personal energy to do it. And then we're like, you know, we could have just put it towards this other bigger project. But I respect both angles for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's and so if many different ways to keep your business. community happy and satisfied, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have a different situation. You got people like knocking on your door every day. Like what? Tell me what's going on in the world. Yeah. And I think the the show has also evolved with more people going like, okay, yeah, just give us the news. I know that if I do something without any face value, right, that video will probably do like 600, 700,000, depending on the day. Right. If we kind of get swept, because most of the time we get damaged with the uh, in the algorithm because we're talking about violence, crimes that are happening to like minors or someone in a protected class stuff like that that Mm -hmm. damages the video so we always have to do that balance of like and did you see this thing that happened with robert downey jr it's crazy they're saying he's racist for this thing that happened 15 years ago let's talk about that so it's like always this weird balance but i've tried more and more throughout the years to now go like what are the serious stories like i get the most excited when (laughs) uh we were on vacation and at like VR, uh, a VR thing. Someone came over and like thanked me for talking about uh, a situation uh, in Iran. Like that was, I was like, oh my God. And saying like, oh, my family's over there. And the, like a lot of this stuff doesn't get represented and feeling that makes me have a, a good feeling in the world. But I only get to experience it when I'm actually on vacation because otherwise <laughs> I'm in this fucking room. And I'm just like, yeah, those people probably exist. That appreciate your work? Yeah. The thing is, numbers don't equal people to me at this point. Obviously, those are people watching and maybe there's like families watching together and stuff like that. But do you like when you have a video and you talk about three million people, do you do you understand the the scope of it? Or is, is, is it kind of at a certain point it always kind of washes over you like, or in a, in a sense of it, not to minimize it, but, you know, there's only so many times you can have that same party. Yeah, I mean, the the grand scale of like a million people is crazy. Yeah. Um, but of course, I'm also like, oh, it's a million people that clicked on it and maybe watched it for like 30 seconds. I don't know if they watched the whole thing, you know, and you watch the retention rates and then you cry a little bit. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't look, I don't look. But I mean, yeah, I, I get what you mean about like really thinking hard about three million people versus like, okay, great. We hit that milestone. I can feel successful or something, you know? Because part of that, that right. Talking about success and we've talked about like numbers and the the things that you could branch out into what, what's your, your kind of relationship with your, your fans? Who are, who are they? Are, who are my fans? Yeah. Well, I have a really interesting found. demographic. Um, it's a little older. It's like primarily women 18 to 24, but then extends all the way to 35. So sometimes when we do fan stuff, we'll have like teens show up, but then there will be like moms or like, Mm -hmm. like middle-aged women who are like, I think at VidCon, an elderly woman approached me and was like, I loved your Marine video. You know, I mean, I like that. I, I think the people who comment on our videos are highly intelligent, which is rare and awesome and very kind. Um, and attentive to the ways in which we go, we try to go above and beyond. So I feel like I have a really nice community. So thank you. <laughs> thank you guys. <laughs> but connected to the success, do you think that it's more them or it's more you've accomplished something, you've done something? Because I know that's something that you've talked about in the past uh, is feeling like a responsibility for bringing up conversations about representation, yes. right? Uh, both the conversation itself and actually doing it uh do you in what ways do you feel like you you accomplish that 
I definitely feel a ton of responsibility for representation for South Asian, South Asian women, mixed race people, um, because those are issues I face every single day. Even just simply, you know, I have like a lot of intersectionality occurring, but just simply being a woman when I was on Karma, for example, this, the wardrobe stylist was like, well, what do you want to wear? Because we've never had an, a female adventure host before. You know, yeah. what, do, what do they wear? She did an amazing job. <laughs> I was like, let's go like Lara Croft from Tomb Raider. And she she put together the most the most amazing outfits. So it was great. But like it's things like that that, you know, I, I think about the ways that as a viewer, I've felt excluded growing up, never seeing anyone who looks like me on Disney Channel, mm -hmm. um, being a part of the theater community. But when not cast in certain roles and asked why, told well, the mom part is going to be white, so it'd be weird for you. Um, but then also seeing the benefits of inclusion, for example, like in my small ass town in Louisiana where I grew up, there was this Broadway director who moved there. I have no idea why. Shout out to Jared Watson. And he did race blind casting. He was like, I want to revolutionize the South. <laughs> and like, I got to play Lucy and Charlie Brown and Cosette and Les Mis. And those are things like that are on my resume that you wouldn't expect from somebody who looks like me. And when I was at Buzzfeed, it was everybody, a lot of people there are very woke. So that was really cool to like, kind of be a part of thinking really critically about diversity and content. And now I just want every person who watches one of my videos to feel that they can do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of the videos, seem like they come from a place of strength within me and they're all stemmed in personal fears of mine, hmm. which is sort of connected to how we choose the videos. So it kind of follows the structure of like, I want to blank, but I'm not blank. So I want to be a firefighter, but I'm not strong enough. I want to be a runway model, but I'm not tall enough. Um, so they all kind of like stem from that, that place for me. And like, I, I love being a woman of color. I, I love like having these parts of myself because I, I feel that I feel that I can just understand in, in a, in a cool way, lots, lots of different social issues, but then also just like existing in the content is helpful to other viewers who may feel oppressed in different areas of yeah. the world. When you're talking about the, like the colorblind casting. So for something yeah. like that, the, does everything aside from the casting stay the the same in something like that in an ideal world? Is there, oh, let's let's tweak this for further representation of, of something else? Or does that kind of like change the piece too much? Like when, when our high school had colorblind casting? Yeah. So in that case, everything stayed the same. And the people who he felt were best... Uh, suited for the roles were given those roles. Sure. And people loved the shows. I mean, they were put on by a Broadway director, so they were really well done. We won lots of competitions. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I, you know, I respected a lot of the conversation you had with Eugene also on this podcast too, mm -hmm. about representation and like, where does it fit? And I, I'm always of the mindset of like, I don't want to be there because I fulfill a diversity quota. I want to be mm -hmm. there because they thought I was the best person for the job. So I think it's important for me to 
work my ass off and prepare for that, which is a lot of the reason why I do that in the videos and and why, you know, before I go to an audition, I want to know everything. I want to rehearse and prepare and be trained because I I don't want to be a diversity hire. I want to be hired because I'm awesome and I'm Michelle. Yeah. It's a little parallel to it. I, I, but kind of speaking on that point, I'm interested. What are your thoughts around kind of when people get angry that someone isn't the thing that they're representing in the movie? So not like... Uh, like Scarlett Johansson? No. <laughs> so Scar- actually, so I, I was going to go to a different place. So we can start with Scarlett Johansson. But then something that, let's go more like ableist. So like, uh, oh my God, I wanted to call him Walter White. Uh, I know, and he's in the wheelchair. He's in the wheelchair, yeah. So it's hard for me to speak on all of that because mm-hmm. I am not a part of the disabled community. But I mean, I definitely feel uncomfortable like you know like mike myers playing a guru i'm getting all the, these <laughs> oh, facts yeah. wrong but like yeah that i think specifically for the the communities i'm a part of i feel uncomfortable when someone who isn't indian is putting on a spray tan to sure. sort of assimilate into that a bit more i hate that um i think there are ways to enjoy and appreciate a culture without pretending to be something you're not mm. like I would feel really uncomfortable if a, a a white person played an Indian person in in a movie or TV show um but I think that's a little more straightforward than like Walter White in a wheelchair <laughs> no I think there's definitely levels right there's yeah you just straight up representing something different right going uh Ashton Kutcher in that one commercial uh that was it, pop chips Amanda do you remember this is like eight years ago. I, I I, the only reason it stands that. out is I like met him a little after that. Yeah. Uh, right. Or, or Scarlett. Or, no, the Scarlett Johansson one, though, is slightly different, right? It was that they changed something I think in she the was story. supposed to be Asian in or Ghost like, in a Shell. And then Emma Stone was supposed to be Asian in well, Aloha. Was- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, good old Aloha. Yeah. And I, it's, it's such a hard issue because, of course, like if Walter White... Brian Cranston. Thank you. Brian Jesus. Cranston. I was blanking. I would have just kept calling him Walter White. If Brian Cranston hadn't been in the film, would it have done as well? And would it have brought awareness to the disabled community in the way it may have? I don't know. But should he be doing that? I also don't know. Um, it, I, I, I feel like for me, whenever I'm questioning that kind of thing, I look to the community for how they feel because they understand way better than I do. Sure. Um, and if it just feels weird, it's probably not okay. You know, <laughs> but I feel Which like everyone good li- metric. I feel like we live in this weird time where a lot of people are just like feel weird to the point of like sometimes I feel like there are a number of people that feel like the pendulum has swung so much that it's, it's wild out there on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also important to remember that Twitter is a, a, a fantastic representation of the, the real world. It's, also like an, an example of just <laughs> the voice in our head that used to just stay there uh now just for a lot of people just being free yeah well, for better and worse <laughs> i uh i think i've definitely limited my career thanks to twitter <laughs> so yeah so i, I try to stay away from <laughs> it from it now hey i hope you're enjoying the podcast i wanted to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's episode raycon 
And in case you need a refresher, Raycon is an awesome company that was founded because they were sick of premium audio being so expensive. So along with a bunch of audio engineers and music industry people, they developed Raycon's line of awesome wireless headphones and earbuds. And their latest model, the E25, is definitely my favorite. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit, it's really just a bonus that they're stylish and come in some new fun colors. And in addition to them being stylish, comfortable, they sound amazing. One of the most important things to me is that they're really minimal in design. They're one of the only wireless headphones that fit under my helmet when I wear it because my wife guilts me because she doesn't want me to quote unquote die. So they're absolutely perfect for my commute. And so the question for you becomes, what are you waiting for? Raycon earbuds sound just as amazing as other premium audio brands, but start at about half the price. And so if you want to join me in owning a pair of your own, click the link in the description below to get 15% off your order. Also, another big shout out and thank you to a sponsor of today's episode, Drop. And Drop, if you don't know, is the fantastic and free app that's giving away millions in cash rewards for the spending you're already doing every day. You just link your debit or credit card to the app and start earning points when you shop at places like AMC, Best Buy, Expedia, Apple, even Uber and Lyft. Then you redeem your free gift cards to places like Starbucks, Amazon, a ton more. Right? Because it's not just a select few. Drop has you covered with over 300 brands so you get rewarded where you want as quickly as possible. I also love and use the app myself because it works with purchases I make every day. A bulk of my points coming from my my daily injection of caffeine a la Starbucks and or going to cool stuff thanks to SeatGeek. And also, as far as points go, you beautiful bastards have earned over 19 million points. And to make things even better, 100 of you beautiful bastards will be chosen at random to receive $5 to $25 worth of reward points. So just go download the app, add that card, use code ACW, and start earning today. So yeah, check it out. Enjoy. Earn. But with that said, let's go back to the podcast. What was the other yeah, thing that so you wanted the, to touch on? The one other thing before the ad break. That I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the one area that I struggle with, okay, I struggle with a lot of things, <laughs> specifically as a woman of color, but I am mixed race. So I am in this weird position where, and I think Zendaya has talked about this as well, because she identifies as mixed race as well, um, where like I'll go out on auditions and it's like, the Indian girl with the accent who is dumb and hot, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I, my dad has an American accent. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I wasn't super around Indian culture growing up, but I don't pass as white. So I'm in this weird spot of like, where, where do I even fit in with casting? And then also if I go out on a role for like an Indian part am i indian enough like Mm. am i enough of each you know that's that's it's really weird so do you get when you go in for things like that do sometimes people tell you to fake an accent oh i i mean i do oh you do i mean like i i present myself with an american accent and then in the scene okay go into an indian accent what does that feel like It feels weird. It feels weird because it's not my everyday truth, but that's part of acting, you know? And it, and for me, like, even though it it definitely feels weird, if I still feel connected to it because like before I do an audition like that, I always call my grandmother and talk to her for an hour on the phone and she corrects me or or I'm like, do I sound right saying this? And, um, yeah, it's it's really fun. It's a great way for us to bond, but (laughs) yeah, I, being mixed race puts you in this really weird spot of like, I, like I, I could identify with Elle Woods from Legally Blonde and like personally would love to play that part, but like, I'm not Legally Blonde and will never be. (laughs) So it's like this weird thing of like, 
I love both of the cultures I have, but because I am both of them, who am I? It's like this identity struggle. I think a lot of multi-ethnic, multi-racial people struggle with. So when you talk about earlier on that you suffer from imposter syndrome, would this be an aspect of that? Definitely. Definitely. So when, if you go in and you do the accent, do you feel like either personally or have you ever been kind of accused of taking a job from someone that like is 100%? I don't don't feel that way. Because this is new ground for me. Because I'm like, you know what? It is part of me. It's like if I were to do a British accent or anyone to do a British accent, that that's kind of how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it feels weird because it's a, a part of me that other people who wrote the show expect to be an everyday norm for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like, oh, am I Indian enough? Because I don't even speak Hindi. I don't speak the language. Um, I've been to India once. Mm-hmm. I love the food. <laughs> like, <laughs> am I more white than any? I don't know. Um, so yeah, like I think a there's a lot of imposter syndrome there too of like in and in sort of like that code switching almost like do I act Indian in front of my Indian relatives and then white in front of my mm. other friends kind of thing, which I think is more an issue or something that people of, 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 of other ethnicities more frequently deal with than I do. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like weird. I'm like in this like Wild West. That sounds Please. like a little rough and awkward. Do you, did the, was the language barrier uh, an issue growing up? It wasn't with because your, with, all I mean, of, with the family, everyone in my family speaks English. Okay. Um, my dad immigrated when he was eight and was made fun of a ton for his accent. So mm. immediately beat out of him. Oh, <laughs> no. And oh, I think no. like, he didn't teach us the language because he was, was working a ton, like crazy hours. So he was just like never home. And I didn't really live close to my grandmother, but I would always feel weird going to Indian weddings, which are basically family reunions in the Indian Mm -hmm. culture. (laughs) And everyone would speak the language and I would just be there kind of existing and relate more to like all the white Mm in-laws or like people who married into the family who are just like, what's going on here? But then also look like everyone else. And like, it it was hard for me to go to India and have so many people come up to me speaking Hindi and just be like, I I don't speak Hindi, but you say it in Hindi. And then they're like, what? They're really confused. And then... You feel, yeah, it's like a lot of imposter syndrome. When I went to India, there were other family, sorry. No, you're There were other family members who don't speak English. And it was so fucking weird being in a room of all of these people who look like me. Sure. Like weird alternate universe universe versions of me, but we can't communicate. Like that was really weird. Yeah, that's, what's, um, for you now, now that that you're solo or how big is your team? I guess kind of one. Okay. Well, so how we, how Okay, how that's we, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's sorry. the first no, part of the question. No, it's going to be a build up. Cuz I have I have a tendency to ask seven questions at the same time. You can ask all seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my team is three editors, oh, creative okay. director, and we have two producers that are more freelance swinging in and out depending Get this on the woman project. this a YouTube original series. That's so much staff already. It is. It's expensive. Yeah, but it's also smart. 
Yeah. I feel and like then a, beyond that, business manager, agent, manager, acting manager, voiceover, hosting agent. Sh- like you, you're, there's a whole a lot. Wow. Do you, uh, what's the difference between a manager and an agent in your experience? So in my experience, my manager is the person that I can talk super openly and honestly about anything. Like how are, how do I gut reaction feel to this opportunity? Mm-hmm. And my manager, Victoria, who's amazing was one of the only managers who I met with and was like, I see what you're doing. And it's like bigger than just YouTube or I see what you want to do. And I believe in you in all these other verticals. Whereas I feel that there are a lot of like YouTuber only managers or agents or whatever. And they were like, all right, let's go grow your channel. And like, we'll deal with everything else later. And Victoria was like, we're going to do this and we're going to grow your channel and we're going to do these other things. And we're going to like put you on auditions for hosting and stuff. So. And then the agent was just kind of, and we bring you stuff. Yes. Okay. But they're great too. Thank you. (laughs) Keep the lights on. Oh God. I was like, cause that's, that was always a thing that I like stayed away from. It always felt rightly or wrongly. I was just always like, you're a bloodsucker. You're really? just in for your I love percentage. mine, but I think maybe they have a good facade. I, I th- I no, I think it's because uh, the first time I ever talked to an agent, it was uh, God, years and years ago, and it was CAA was trying to bring me in. And I was just like, I don't believe a word of what you've said. Well, if you don't believe in it and you're like, I can do this on my own, then yeah. Yeah. But they were, when you were, you we were talking about schools and you thought that I was like taking the show on tour. <laughs> yeah. That was actually one of their things. They were like, you're going to go, go to schools. And I was like, I'm going to get fucking murdered <laughs> at schools. Like the, the, <laughs> I was like, have you seen why comedians don't go to fucking colleges anymore? I'll get murdered. Yeah. And I'm not that clever. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have that, that, that like improv deal with it sort of background. Although you, you worked or you did improv for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I graduated IO West and did UCB. What's that? Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. You did everything. You did everything. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I've, now that I think of everything that's happened, I'm like, I feel like I should be like 70 years old or something. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, is there, are you worried that you're going to hit a point that it's like, there's no new shit for me to do? Every day I have that anxiety constantly like for your short list of things that we can try is that still a long list or is it yeah so we're kind of in this realm of the list (laughs) is it exists but everything's very expensive so for example i really want to do a video where i train like a k-pop idol but i mean like hardcore we found a k-pop institution in south korea they're like come on over this is a place where thousands of K-pop aspirers, I don't know what to call them, students, um, they go and every single day you're in dance, singing, mm-hmm. acting, modeling classes, like perfecting this insane art form, insanely amazing art form. And yeah, they want to bring me over for a week. But like flying our team to South Korea is going to be really expensive. We did it. We went to London with our team last year when I walked London fashion week and like it adds up. So we're kind of like, what are the cheaper ones that we can do right now? Um, And fortunately one of the benefits of how long it takes to edit is we have the next three or four. I'm I'm looking at Garrett (laughs) back me up (laughs) for like three or four months fully shot for K-pop. Are you kind of, when you said, if I can't show this aspect of it, I don't want to do it. Are you worried that, 
that would be a part of an issue, like that they wouldn't show you all aspects of it since it feels like the dark side of K-pop has been uh, more and more a topic of conversation over the past two years, especially yes. as certain stories come out. And then it's like, there's a kind of the confusion of like how many people knew this, mm -hmm. that, that sort of thing. And uh, like you, all the, yeah, like all the plastic surgery. and That side too, yeah. Yeah. So whenever we go into a video, like I, like you mentioned, like I only want to do it, we can fully do it. And it's usually we just have to email a ton of people until we find someone who's willing to talk. Um, and I, I think for K-pop, what we would love to do is find a current K-pop idol or former K-pop idol who would be willing to, to share everything. Mm -hmm. And we had that experience. I did a video where I trained with the number one pageant coach in America for a Miss USA pageant, which couldn't be further from my comfort zone. And when I met with her, I was like, I only want to do this if we can talk about objectification of women's bodies, like Donald Trump owning Miss USA pageants. That's kind of weird. The, the sexism. And she was like, I'll tell you everything and I'll let you film whatever you want. And I don't have to see the cut before it goes up. So we had, we were allowed to film the entire pageant, including my private interview. Mm -hmm. So usually for us, it's like finding people who are feel comfortable doing that. And ever since we did our video where we went to Marine boot camp with the Marine Corps, most people are like, sure. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if the Marines, if NASA, if the FBI said it's okay, I guess it's okay for you, you to come, you know? Or you just faked it yeah. really well. Which has been moment. helpful because like now it's way easier to get people to say yes. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> no, it, I mean, I met, yeah, I imagine a show like that is definitely harder to get off the ground. Kind of like James Corden talking about how it was hard to get carpool karaoke off the ground. Yeah. Cause people are like, that sounds crazy. <laughs> Why would I do that? That yes. sounds so dumb. Yeah. I, um, so random note, cause you talked about wanting to have a, a podcast of your own. Okay. Let's say it's switching. <laughs> That's how we're going to close this out is okay. you're, is you are going to be the host of this podcast. Oh my gosh. Do I get to ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. I feel like you're probably going to do a better job than me. So we're going to cut this. No. Okay. <laughs> Sup, you beautiful bastards. Oh. Welcome back to A Conversation With. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing multiple award nominee, former <laughs> HBO actor and Italian, Philip DeFranco Jr. How dare you mention <laughs> HBO? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I was like, that's either a scrub of my Wikipedia page or that's, or that's, yeah. I did my own deep dive. That's dangerous. <laughs> All right. God. The best and worst of times that oh moment. Oh my God. Shooting it, great. Seeing the results of it, horrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So Phil, I do have a question for mm -hmm. you. If you, if you had to give me like a piece of advice on something you think I'm really missing the mark on with my channel or could be doing better or a vertical that I'm not hitting, what would it be? And well, you can be brutally honest. I can, I'll try that. But one, <laughs> do you know that I kind of sort of stole something from you? What? It's just uh, <laughs> the for this channel, actually, specifically. Uh, when I was looking through your videos, I liked the, uh, the lower bar, what you did with the text. So that's what we essentially do. We do like a bastardized version of, because you know, you have like the purple bar at the bottom and there's text. Like the lower third graphic? Yeah. I was like, oh, I fucking love that. We're doing that every video. <laughs> okay. I was like, make it our own. We're going to do that. It wasn't, wow. as, it wasn't as egregious as Logan Paul stealing my fucking background thumbnail and format. 
for yes. his podcast. I was that like, was that's that, weird. That's sort of I. I'm like either he did it on purpose. It has to be like a weird fucking thing, like a, a flex of some sort, like a troll of some sort. I think, or he was just like, "That's good. I'm gonna go with that." Are you gonna ask him about it? Are you gonna invite him on here and ask him? <sighs> Would you confront? Logan Paul. That's the thing, though, is it wouldn't be conf confrontation. Also, how does this fucker always end up? Why do I talk about him every episode? That's why he has it as a thumbnail. He always ends up coming up. Uh, so wait, thing, though, on your channel. The, the thing is, you from ev on a, almost every aspect, you seem. I seem. Well, because you never really know about the person. You seem like you have your shit together and that there is like there's a way that you handle the I'm going to use this word and it's not, I'm not using it in, in a negative sense. A lot of your stuff and the way that you handle it seems very calculated. And I mean that in a positive way, kind of like when you did the YouTube rewind thing. All right. Uh, and then. Oh yeah, we didn't get to talk about that. Well, so you did. Yeah. So you did YouTube rewind uh, as a musical. Right. And like one, you, the way that you teased it. Right. Uh, two, the way that you specifically mentioned people once it was released, because and I respected it because it's how I initially old, old, old days. And, you know, I still benefit to, to face value and stuff now. Like people love things that include them. Right. So then making sure that they were aware of it and then getting that that rebound effect. Um, the video itself, like uh, what things were included. Right. That because you have more leeway than uh, YouTube did last year. And then they did that list thing this year. So everyone benefited <laughs> okay. from like, getting to cover it. So like you seem very calculated in that way. Um, and I'm, once again, in a positive way, uh, <laughs> thumbnails. I liked them so much. I, I did a bastardized, oh, bastardized version of it. Um, you have like your timing down. The, the fact that you have the, the multiple things going at the same time. I think you talking about having a podcast makes sense. One from a standpoint of you'd probably be really great at it. Uh, I guess. <laughs> and then, but then two, think of it from a marketing standpoint, if it gets you connected to your audience on a more regular basis. So they have this other thing to attach to. Um, I'm just blowing smoke up your ass is what this feels like. <laughs> great. <laughs> if I'm perfect, that's fine too. No, I'm just but kidding. I, uh, no, but because that would literally be the only thing is that you're, but you, you have plenty of upkeep cause you're, you're hyper connected to Instagram. Right. Uh, I was like, uh, da, 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 yeah, I don't know. Shit. What is, should I be more active you? on Twitter? Probably. No, I, well, I was, <laughs> no. We were no, we were talking about it the other day. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it feels like the growth there means less. Like I like it cause I can just fire something off and it's kind of stupid. Okay. But I, uh, and, but it's also, it's the most toxic of like platforms other than like a YouTube comment section on a political video. That's like Twitter is a dumpster fire. Instagram always feels more positive. And would you say that's where you're probably the most active? Yeah. Like in terms of like how often I'm posting. Yeah. 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 But, and like even that has, I, I feel like changed cause with Instagram, if someone used to post like more than six stories in a day, I'd be like, stop it. No, just make a YouTube video. But now it feels like 15 to 25 is way more standard. And like what people do as far as it's the video equivalent of a throwaway tweet. Yeah. So no, maybe for you, if you're not doing it and this is, this is blind advice cause I'm not doing it and I need to, uh, probably what, uh, TikTok. TikTok. well, TikTok, <laughs> but also a lot of people forget about it, but Snapchat. Because Snapchat, if you have any... I don't any, use Snapchat at I don't all. use it either. I literally just re-downloaded the app because uh, one, turns out that there is like, because because it's not the it thing right now, 
They're, they've been throwing money at people for shows. They've been. Yeah. And a lot of it's just repurposed YouTube content. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe just be slightly okay. more places. But you're, but what would you do for TikTok? Would it be more of like kind of the stuff that you're doing on Instagram already? I, yeah, I've done like a couple little TikToks where I just show like my workout. But I have like 6,000 followers. So I don't know if it's successful. You know what I mean? Like I just I and then I watch what is popular on TikTok and I'm like, okay, you know, I I don't know. Well, when you say what's popular on TikTok, what, what's like, I'm talking like hype you? house, like hot white <laughs> teens, you know, like very attractive white teenagers. I'm like, well, I'm not any of those things. So I, it, it feels weird. I, I don't know. Like, I'm like, what is, I don't fully understand. I appreciate the success and mm-hmm. respect that but I don't fully understand the art form. And when it feels just like a who's hot popularity contest, it feels like a turnoff to me. But I also like, I love like Nick Uhouse, his TikTok. It's like a science TikTok. It's really cool. Is he the... He's just the elephant toothpaste guy was... with David Dobrik. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want to call him the Dobrik guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah his I like that. blew up. Also, it's, I always forget that Zach King is like one of the biggest creators on the platform. Yeah. He's still around. Crushed, well, well, not yeah. even around, just crushing it. It's amazing. Mm, amazing numbers. I love his content. Okay. Reverse the question. What's something that I need to be doing better? Since oh I just, my God. since I was just like, you do everything great. <laughs> Thank you for being on my podcast. Something you need to be doing better. Okay. Now this is also a really hard thing for me to talk about because I look up to you so much as a creator on the platform, something you could be doing better is I think you can own your success. Uh, You do, but like, you're fucking awesome. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm serious. I I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. It's, that's a. a Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you don't need to have the anxiety that, that you may have that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I, I, I struggle, right? Because it's just so crazy. One, I, to I'm not. He- I'm not. I'm not gonna. That. I'm not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept what you said, but I'm not gonna co-sign what you said. <laughs> okay. I. Uh, I. I am constantly disappointed in myself. That's. That's kind of. Why are you disappointed feel, though? Well, so I talk about like I still uploaded it because, but that. That's going against everything that I feel, right? Um, but knowing, like I, I, I have to go past my emotion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, of something that I'm not like that I would want to put up on my wall. Like, look, this, this represents me. I wish that everything could be like that. And so I live in this constant place of, I, I, I think the way that I've described it in the past is when I succeed, that's just a day I didn't fail. It's a horrible mindset. I relate to that. Yeah. Though, yeah. What, in what way? Because like if a video does well or I get good news or like get excited about something, it's like, okay, great. But like, what about tomorrow? You know? Sure. Yeah. Video hits 10 million views. That's dope. I see the growth growth there. But then, yeah. Yeah. It's just. That's really cool. I want a video to hit 10 million views. <laughs> I was like, well, what's your most viewed? Do you know? I was like, I don't I feel know like what mine 7 is. million? I don't know. Okay. Like my, one of, you were, we were talking about goals earlier. One of my big goals is to have like a Mark Rober level success video sure. where it just like. 30 million views in a week or a day or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he also, he feels like he handles things properly. Like I remember after he did the first glitter video and there was that thing where it came out, like some of them 
weren't real or something like that. Uh, he oh. handled it properly. Like he handled it really well. I think he ended up cutting some out of the video. It was it was something where it was like he had no knowledge of it. Um, oh, but yeah, and he handled it really well. Uh, maybe even <laughs> the fact that you don't know is a good thing. Never mind, Mark. Are you still coming on? <laughs> no, I. Uh, but yeah, but that's the thing is you look at his videos, your videos, obviously different, but then it hits that that itch of like, oh, that's really unique. That's really unique. Like not only is your personality and your drive a differentiator, but the content itself, you know? Thank you. But let's see. What what else? What else, is... what else do you would you want me to critique more? Yeah. Or if you have another question for me, since you are the host of this podcast. I well, I do have another question. Mm. As the host, my name is Philip DeFranco. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to know your genuine, honest, critical review of YouTube Rewind the Musical. M my performance as you it was solid what are you thing, talking about thing, i left that comment where i was like i was like yeah you... but like that's a comment like, like it was good okay what are you talking about i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it was good it, it 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 was me it uh it it fed my ego enough <laughs> to because you're so calculating uh for me to pimp the video out great uh, what was who was your favorite person that to, to be in that video or that like performance of that video Oh, uh, my favorite performance in YouTube Rewind the Musical is Steve Greist as PewDiePie. <laughs> he is a phenomenal actor. And mm -hmm. what's funny is, so I, for those listening, I actually DM'd Phil asking him to be in the musical. <gasps> and then I saw it afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you really see it afterwards? I think. Wait, no, I gotta. I know you said you saw it after, but did you see it after? <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I lie? I was like, I don't know if I lied with you. I don't think I lied with you. I was like, I sent an email to your I do, business do, I, I email. Do. Oh, that's not me. That's Amanda. Amanda. <gasps> oh no, Amanda. You're, is it you or is it? This is hilarious. Oh, Kirsty. Kirsty. She's not here otherwise. Anyways, <sighs> but I Kick. must say that you not responding actually turned out to be a blessing, not because you would have hindered the production. Well, actually, I got to tell you something. So, originally, the first idea we had for the musical was. I was like, I want Philip DeFranco to be in a bowler hat and a silhouette and a bunch of like sexy female dancers on either side of him on chairs, like Chicago style. Yeah. And we'll have him like walk down the stage and we'll have this whole number that's like jazzy feel called Sup You Beautiful Bastards. And the whole song will be like, Sup You Beautiful Bastards, like that kind of thing. I'm just feeling anxious thinking about that. And you didn't respond. <laughs> 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 and so what we ended up doing was, well, you know, it wasn't just you. There were other YouTubers. We were like, we, we tried to get more people involved. And it was just a shit show with everyone's schedules. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, no YouTubers are going to be in this. And we're going to hire professional Broadway actors to play the YouTubers. And it turned, I love how it turned out because yeah. I think it's even funnier seeing like, maybe not me play you, but like Steve Grice play PewDiePie is like one of, I think it's amazing. He put it in his acting reel. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, did wait. So did, did Felix pimp that out as well? He did. He said, he tweeted the link to the video and he said, so good. And the next day he deleted his Twitter. <laughs> Wait, he, oh, oh, I thought you said he like, like, deleted the tweet. I, no, like yeah. he tweeted it and then all of my friends were texting me like, oh my God, Felix yeah. tweeted it, blah, blah, blah. You're like, we're so excited. And I was freaking out. And then the next day he's like, I quit Twitter forever. I watch him every single day, by the way. I love PewDiePie. Are you dying because he's on a break? A little, but like, I respect it. I respect your break. I respect everyone's breaks, but I do miss Poppy Gloria. 
Poppy Gloria. Wait. Oh. Poppy Gloria. <laughs> Sorry, when you said Poppy, I was like, it's you mean his, the like, music? No, yeah, yeah, Phil, yeah. yeah. Phil DeFranco <laughs> character, I guess. I love, anytime, anytime he fucking does one of those things where he says that he's someone else, and then I include his statement because he's the largest person on the platform in a video, people are like, he didn't say that. Poppy Gloria <laughs> said that. I'm like, no. no, no I, I love Poppy Gloria. But now he does like primarily gaming, which is fine too. Hey man, when when that when the the surge <laughs> of Minecraft is well, because I feel like that was largely in his part. Uh, yeah, like bringing it back, like you just go with it, man. Everything goes back to ten to fifteen million views. That's this guy's crushing. Nice, <laughs> that's <laughs> nice. He can have a nice house for him, Marja, and their two pugs. I love his pugs. You know everything about everyone. I don't know. You got it locked. I'm. I'm. I feel like. You know, maybe it's the imposter syndrome, but I'm, I feel like when I go to YouTube things, I'm like, how did I get invited? How am I here? How am I here? You know, like even on this podcast. And, and so with that, I just feel like constant excitement to meet people in sure. the community. Like, I just feel like an, a fangirl. I don't know. It's really fun for That's, me. That sounds fun though. Yeah, like, it is fun. I mean, it could be stressful, <laughs> but it sounds like you're going with it. So this is a lot, a lot of stress. You you have to think of the final question for this podcast. For you? Yeah. It's the whole podcast. We're closing. Oh my God. Wait, like, like this is it. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, I mean, there will be an episode next week. <laughs> no, 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 I'm no, not no, quitting. No. You're not quitting, I don't think. A final question for the Philip DeFranco. Oh God. <laughs> okay, okay. I just want it to be good. <laughs> <laughs> that's how i go into everything it's like striving for perfection i'm fine um i really want to know this from you okay oh no so as you know on my channel i basically transform my life every single month to try a different community professional lifestyle if you could do that what other community professional profession or lifestyle would you dive into for a month oh a thousand percent musical you a kidding musical? me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. my god. I'm not I'm not skilled in any capacity, but the idea of making <laughs> like uh 90 minutes two acts of uh something sing songy about something. Yeah, a thousand percent. Do you sing? No. Horrible at it. Can't play music. But I was like, I can write. That's about it. Write music? Write lyrics. And if I'm like with someone, but it's so not what I do, but it was, it was always like, if it was one of those things where I was like, dive into to it now. And it somehow wasn't detrimental to my life where I could like rewind. A, yeah. That musicals thousand percent. I didn't really discover Broadway musicals until I want to say like, like as far as actually going uh, and not just listening to soundtracks until like five years ago. Um, and it's always such a, like a beautiful, uh, just like deeper experience that I love. I love. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I want to say how many years what, what this have been, I don't know. We canceled like a whole trip cause we found out we could get, uh, tickets to, to Hamilton with like the full original cast. We were like, yes, we're canceling the other thing. Fuck that. Oh my and we gosh. went out on the last second thing. And it's one of those things with where Manuel. Yeah. Oh it was God. awesome. It was fucking amazing. Um, and then, yeah, like I, yeah, I think so also one, if there was something I can incorporate into my life more, if I had enough foresight to, to plan my life outside of, uh, you know, 72 hours, it'd be more of that as well. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something, 
it, it's kind of it hits the the general music and podcast element. It's your you can just one that's a show you can watch, but then I feel like every week I listen to either like Dear Evan Hansen or Hamilton mm-hmm. or um, oh my god, I'm blanking now. <laughs> Uh, the Mormon one. Oh my God. Book of Mormon? Yeah, Book of Mormon. <laughs> I was like, I don't li- listen to Avenue Q-, Q as much anymore, but yeah, I just, what about you? Even though you get to do a new job, like if you had to only do one thing. If I only had to do one thing, I, it, if I ha- got- you only got to do one more thing <laughs> okay. for the rest of your life. This is your, this is your desert Island. You can only have one food thing, but for you, it's a, it's a job. For me, it would be doing an, an action movie or a TV show that, that would be like the epitome of of it for me. So, you know, so, you know, your peak, you know, like, or like the, the mountaintop that you're climbing. I would, I mean, yeah, that's the one that's like, I love that, but that's good. Not a lot of people have that. Like when, when you ask people, they're like just stuff. Like, I mean, even to a certain degree, you talked about the different ways, the things you could launch that kind of support that, but it sounds like it's the support to ultimately get to be a part of that. Or if it, all the other stuff's successful, I imagine just create one your damn self. It would be cool. Um, yeah. And, and I feel like beyond that, I, I love producing actually, which I feel like most people hate. I, so I would love to like produce and be in something, which is, I guess what I do on my channel now, but I have a weird infatuation with making things logistically happen. I, I interned at Google when I was in college. I, so I worked for the man, the, <laughs> our employers now. Um, and there, when you're a, a new employee at Google, they give you a three day boot camp where you learn every single Google program, calendar, drive, Gmail. Like I know like the weird dark back corners of all of these things. And I guess from there, I, I yeah, I just because I didn't go to film school, I'm like, Oh, I can, I can plan something. I can organize it. So I get a lot of high out of planning things and writing emails, <laughs> I, like a well-crafted. Oh. There's this photo of like Thomas Jefferson writing with a quill on a scroll. And whenever I finished like spending an hour on a great email, I like send the photo to Garrett and I'm like, I just finished the greatest email. <laughs> that's no i i could that's me like behind the scenes i'm happy for you (laughs) that's a nightmare to me so actually so the last thing that i'll I'll ask if uh for someone watching right now Mm -hmm. if there was a piece of advice you could give to them that maybe someone told you and it benefited you or just one like a a learned thing in your life what 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 is it what would would you say one of my favorite quotes and it's also a basis of the channel is everything you want is on the other side of fear And every time I think about that quote or I'm hesitant about pursuing a specific video, I have to return to that and ask myself, am I not pursuing it because I'm scared? And am I scared for real reasons or am I scared for societal reasons? Why, why am I scared? And if I got through that, how would I feel? It's carried me a lot, like deciding to quit my job deciding to to do challenge accepted every time we invest a ton of money into something business related i have to return to that but not recklessly you know like balance yin yang whatever oh yeah no 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 no. no. I, I love that it's a it's a 
without that last statement or without that last line, it's just a romantic thought. Yeah. Right. It's not applicable. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, even for me, before I left my job at Buzzfeed, I think some people are like, I quit my job and I became successful. And for me, I knew a year before I'm, I'm going to plan to leave. So I moved into a tiny studio apartment and that I lived in with another person for an entire year, didn't go out, didn't do anything. And I just kept trying to save all the money that I was not spending on having fun. (laughs) Um, So that when I left, I had like enough money for like three to six months. And I was like, all right, I better, better do it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So it was like a combination of educated fear, like the right amount of fear and, and the, the guts to get over it, but a plan to do that as well. Educated fear. That's the name of the show. Educated fear. I like that. Is that the name of? No, the, that's, oh. that's the thing you said that I was oh. like, it would be a good name for a show. Oh, it or, is. Or, I mean, it's, it's my new shirt that you, that, that you just <laughs> yeah. happened to say. Okay, Thank great. you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God. Yay. <laughs>